Hi, this is Ask Mom RN with your host, Tamara Walker. I'm a mom of two, a pediatric registered nurse, and your friend. I give practical advice to raise a healthier, safer, and happier family. This fall, parents of teens and young adults need to think about vaccination against meningococcal disease. According to the Centers for Disease Control, adolescents and young adults are the primary carriers of meningococcal bacteria, even if it doesn't make them sick. And some of their most typical behaviors, such as close-quartered living, in the instance of living in a dorm or an apartment with multiple college students, and some of their um, other habits, such as sharing drinks and utensils and kissing, can promote the, the transmission of bacterial meningitis. Joining us today to share important information about meningococcal disease and about the meningococcal B vaccine is Dr. Richard Chung, who is the Director of Adolescent Medicine at Duke University. Hello, Dr. Chung. This is Tamara. Welcome to the Ask Mom RN podcast. Hi, Tamara. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. And Dr. Chung, this is a very serious disease we're going to talk about today. Would you tell us a little bit about what parents need to know about meningococcal disease? And are there different types of the disease? Are there different types of bacteria that can cause this illness? Sure. So meningococcal disease is an invasive bacterial infection that typically affects the lining around the brain and spinal cord. Uh, in absolute terms, it's an uncommon infection, but when it does happen in those rare instances, it can actually cause very severe injury and even death in some cases. Uh, as you alluded to, there are actually a few different types, five key types of this bacteria that we think about, uh, A, C, Y, W, and type B. Um, the reason actually that it's important that people recognize there are different types is that it then informs how we think about protecting against this infection overall. Uh, now, for many years, as you I know are aware, we've had what we call the meningitis vaccine. So these are vaccines we've been giving to teenagers for many years that protect against four out of those five key types. Now, until recently, we actually didn't have any vaccinations against uh, type B, that fifth type, but now we do. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is just make families, parents, teens themselves aware that there is protection against this type, uh, this fifth type, type B and uh, they should learn more about it and, and talk to their health care providers to understand the situation better. And what do they need to know about the vaccine and, and when it should be given? Sure. So the vaccination recommendation uh, for this kind of teen young adult age group, which is specifically 16 to 23, is uh, what we call a permissive recommendation, meaning the, the fundamental recommendation is to uh, for families and teenagers to talk to their healthcare provider and make sort of a customized, personalized decision after they've learned all the information and understand the situation. Uh, the reason why immunization is so crucial uh, with respect to this um, particular infection is that 
um, it is rare and so hard to kind of simply uh, predict or prevent by changing how you act or, or who you interact with. Um, and when it does happen, it is uh, quite rapid in its progression. So most people will start off uh, with flu-like symptoms, fever, headache, nausea, and vomiting. Um, and for that first couple hours, maybe they're not able to distinguish, is this just a bad cold, is this the flu, or is this uh, something more than that? Um, but then over those next 12 to 24 hours, we know that this particular bacteria can uh, progress quite rapidly to requiring a very intensive support, even hospitalization in that first uh, several hours. And so it's really tricky um, as a parent at home and even as a doctor in the clinic to kind of distinguish these different infections early on uh, in those moments when diagnosis and aggressive treatment would be most beneficial. And so and that's why I think vaccination is is so crucial, right? Uh, because it then gives us an opportunity to take this uh, infection, this possible infection off the table altogether. You know, there are a lot of things in healthcare for sure that we would love to prevent altogether if we could, but we just can't, yeah. right? And, and that's the problem. Uh, but this is one of those things where we do have that option. And, you know, I want to be clear, this is not a, a clean cut decision because it is so rare um, and, and those sorts of things. Uh, but it is the type of decision that people should uh, actively make by getting information, having those conversations, and then deciding what they want to do. Absolutely. And even though, as you said, it is rather rare, um, it is one of those where, you, you know, like you stated, it can come on so suddenly and those symptoms can progress to something very severe, even life-threatening in a very short amount of period of time. And I've, I've seen it happen firsthand as a pediatric nurse, and it's a very scary illness to, to be, you know, having to deal with. And so having this vaccine and being able to help prevent it can be very helpful. Can you tell us a little bit about why it is that teenagers and young adults are more at risk for um, getting meningitis B? Sure. So for this particular infection, the two groups we think about are, are early life, so the kind of first year of life, and then this teen, young adult age group. And there are a variety of reasons why uh, teens are um, relatively more prone to, to sort of contracting this rare infection. Um, and, you know, among them are the fact that some can kind of carry the bacteria around in their throat and uh, sort of be completely unaware that it's there because it's not causing any symptoms, but you can then still transmit it from one person to another. Now, typically it does require very close contact for that to happen. So living in close quarters, sharing utensils and cups, uh, kissing, those sorts of things. And so at least to some extent, uh, just kind of the life stage and the particular lifestyle habits that are common among teens uh, contribute to that uh, sort of relative increased risk. And so that's often why, you know, uh, uh, providers or uh, parents might think about college and those sorts of things and associate meningitis disease with that age group. Um, now, it is more complicated than it seems, and so not all teens are at, you know, overt risk for this. Um, so it is kind of a relative risk uh, for an absolute sort of a, a rare event. Um, but it is, again, enough for us to kind of pay attention and to have these special conversations with teens generally. Now, you know, as an adolescent healthcare provider, uh, my uh, mandate and my goal is not, you know, just one disease or this or that, but for teens themselves to be proactive, 
to ask the right questions and to be knowledgeable and for families as well to kind of know everything there is to know about different aspects of protecting your teen and ensuring that they thrive. And so, you know, fundamentally, especially with something as complicated like this, what I would encourage families to do is to get in, informed, uh, but then also to have that conversation with your doctor, right? Have that checkup so that you can kind of look at everything, including uh, this meningitis B issue, uh, and make a thoughtful decision that's really personalized for your family and appropriate for your teen. I completely agree. What should parents be telling their teenagers? Is there anything specific that you would suggest? Well, you know, I think, again, it's complicated. And so I think uh, parents themselves and teens also just kind of being informed, right? I mean, this is a great opportunity. This particular issue is a great opportunity for teens to start to come into their own in terms of getting on the web and finding that information, thinking for themselves what they value and what their priorities are. And then really taking those values and priorities and make and sort of funneling them down into an actual concrete decision, right? That's that's fundamentally like a, what a good healthcare consumer, a good patient will do, and that's a skill that teenagers need to develop. And so this may actually be a good sort of testing ground for parents and teens to kind of wrestle with this uh, particular topic. Um, you know, they should know that this infection is a real thing, right? It happens for sure. It's rare, but it happens, and it's it's quite bad when it does. Um, but they should also uh, just have that conversation with their doctor and practice that skill of, uh, of engaging around different information and different perspectives and then coming to a decision that they feel comfortable and happy with. Well, Dr. Chung, what questions do you usually receive when you see patients? Uh, what questions do they have about meningitis B? Or what should they be asking their doctor? Yeah, I think, you know, there's always a lot of good questions, and, and that's what I love, right, is that um, people need to be informed, and when they come to a decision and they have really processed things well and they've been guided by their doctor through that processing, that's that's where the money is, right? That's, that's, that's the optimal outcome. Um, and so they often ask questions about just how common this is. Certainly the things we've been talking about, uh, what does it look like when this infection happens, those sorts of things. Is my team really at risk? And those are, um, you know, there are what comes to concrete ways to answer those questions, but then in, to some extent they're all sort of abstract as well because sort of gauging risk, predicting the future is just an inexact science. And, you know, they um, often just kind of want that information and then they come to a determination. And, and I... Uh, I support them as long as they've thoughtfully thought through everything, and uh, parents have sort of taken upon them the autonomy to protect their kid, and then kids have kind of engaged in the information to the extent that they're uh, wanting to and able to based on their age. And so as long as we've had a good conversation, then I'm happy. Um, what I don't want and what I see too often happening is people making sort of snap judgments about this or that based on, you know, one piece of information or one perspective that they got on the Internet. And, you know, it's just a kind of a shame to, to parent your child or to make decisions for yourself based on false information or half-truths half or this or that. And so just knowing that there's a lot of information out there, go to somebody you trust, somebody who can kind of call that information for you, crystallize it, and, and help you come to a good decision. That's the main thing. And the one other thing that I will mention is that there is a website um, that um, does have strong, well-vetted, evidence-based information. Um, it's uh, meetmeningitis.com, so that's M-E-E-T, meningitis.com. And that, to me, is a good starting point. That's a, that's a place to get some of that information, and then you'll derive your own questions, you know, as to what still doesn't make sense. You then bring that to your doctor, have that conversation, uh, and you go from there. I agree. It's crucial for parents to have 
the right information in their hands so they can make an informed decision. Well, Dr. Chung, thank you so much for being with us and sharing this important information with us today. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And again, that was Dr. Richard Chung. He is the Director of Adolescent Medicine at Duke University. We've been talking about meningococcal disease, specifically meningococcal B. And I really encourage you to go to the website that Dr. Chung gave us and learn more about this disease and what symptoms to look for, what the risks are, and about the vaccine available so that you can make an informed decision about what is right for your child and for your family. And I would encourage you to talk with your child's health care provider to make that decision together because, as he said, this is a rather rare disease, but when it does happen, it can very quickly go from zero to 60 as far as the severity and the potential to be life-threatening. And as a pediatric nurse, I've seen kids go downhill rapidly, come into the hospital, and maybe their symptoms have just started a few hours before, and they are already in very serious condition. And we've had children in the pediatric intensive care um, it, I don't mean to scare you, but I want you to be informed and to know that this is a possibility and that there is a vaccine available for it so that you can learn about it and make that decision for your child and for your family. Thank you for listening today. I appreciate you tuning in to the Ask Mom RN podcast. This is Tamara Walker, and I am with you each week sharing practical advice and information and encouragement and support to help you raise healthier, safer, and happier kids. And I would love for you to connect with me at momrn.com. You can find all of our episodes there and more information about MomRN, about everything I offer. And I would love for you to join me at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash show and connect with us there. If you have a question you would like answered on a future episode of Ask Mom RN, please send that to me either via email at momrn at momrn.com and put Ask Mom RN question in the subject line and you can send me your question that way. Or if you connect with me on Facebook through our Facebook page, Ask Mom RN Show, you can send me a question through Messenger there, and I try to be um, respond as quickly as possible. So I want to, again, thank you for tuning in today. Join me next week. We'll be sharing more information to help you to raise a healthy, happy family.